Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Jesse will be back on Monday. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess. Matt, welcome to our show, my friend. As always. Yeah, God bless you, Matt, for stepping up to the plate. Today's show, I have to say, Matt, I'm excited more than normal. And I'll tell you why. I've got all kinds of good news stories like, you know, a baby born 13 weeks early. She was um, on life support for a month, but now she's doing great. Did you hear what I said? She was born 13 weeks of gestation. I mean, wait, it's just a little one. But technology is showing that these are babies. And, you know, the question about the morality of it, uh, I mean, if even just science has proven that it's not a a banana. It's a child in the mother's (laughs) womb. I know these people think that, you know, the other side is, oh, no, you can't say it's a child. Well, I've got so many good stories on pro-life, and we're coming up to that Roe versus Wade anniversary. I'd like to share that. Uh, lots of good stories. And one, thing, one thing I will say before we get to the gospel, which is always the good news that we want to cover, that is we're going to focus today on the sacrament of marriage. We're going to use sources like Three to Get Married, the Bible, the Catechism, Cardinal Robert Seurat's book, Couples Awake Your Love. Actually, I'm going to do it for two days, tomorrow's show, and then Steve Ray comes in, CatholicConvert.com comes in on Friday. We're going to be talking about sharing his faith with people and how do we do that? Uh, he's a great man. I really respect Steve in that respect. So we've got a great show today. And uh, before we get to the gospel, I just want to also remind everybody, this is a fourth anniversary this week of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Four years hey, ago, we started. Congratulations. Now. Yeah, so that's... Happy uh, anniversary. Yeah, thank you. It went by really, really fast. And did. Um, we're grateful for all our you listeners who are supporting us spiritually and financially because we are growing. We just picked up a couple new stations in Boston, up in uh, Massachusetts, through uh, through the Stations of the Cross. And any of the other Catholic stations, they, we offer this show to any of them if they would like to pick it up. But Matt, before we get into all these topics on the catechism and marriage, and let's face it, the final battle, as St. Saint, Saint Lucy uh, from the Child of the Fatima message said, the final battle will be with the family. That's what Our Lady told her. So that's why I think it's important to get to uh, fundamental teachings of the church to build you right. up. Because let's I, be honest. I, yeah. Quick correction, that's Sister Lucy. Sister She's Lucy. not a saint just yet, but oh. uh, yeah, of the children of Fatima. Right. And He's yeah, the, the devil's final battle will be against marriage and the family. Yeah, yeah. Powerful words. Yeah, it is. And that's why we're going to cover it today. But let's go ahead and take the gospel of today. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. All right. Uh, Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with a withered hand, come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? Mm -hmm. But they remained silent Looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. Thus far, the words of the Holy Gospel. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Your thoughts on that, Matt? You know, Terry, there's a lot here. There's a lot that could be said uh, in regard to, well, the very term pharisaical really comes from uh, episodes like this in the gospel. But really, it, what it reminds me of just immediately is in the Psalms, when um, God says to David, 
I don't want your burnt offerings. He said, you know, the sacrifice that I'm looking for is a contrite heart, right? A broken and contrite heart I will not spurn. Mm -hmm. He's saying that, you know, and then at the end of the psalm, it says, then your sacrifices will be acceptable. And that's what our Lord is saying to, to the Pharisees, that you have to, you know, you have to, uh, you know, not have this hard heart, that, that the people are more important than, than you know, um, following these, uh, you know, particular customs, right? That you don't do any work on the Sabbath. And, oh, God performing a miracle on the Sabbath, that's work, right? Yeah. So they can accuse him. Clearly, he's telling religious leaders everywhere, uh, reminding them that the supreme law is the salvation of souls, salus unamorum supremo lex. Mm -hmm. That's what the Pharisees and the bishops of today should be concerned about most of all. Uh, well said, and that's what canon law, the last canon in canon law says that everything we do should be for the salvation of souls. So well said scripturally, and canon law says that. Thanks so much. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Fulton. <laughs> oh, seeing ahead. And Jesse, I'm Jesse. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. I called you. It's all right. Jesse. Matt, the reason of I, habit. Yeah, the, the, the quote I have from Fulton Sheen is about peace of soul. And the reason I bring it up is because many of our listeners have communicated to me that there's so much out there in the church and in the world that's so negative that's bringing them down in, in the sense of their uh, prayer life, in the sense of uh, their, their peacefulness. And I want to just recommend again, I mentioned this to you earlier before the show, that we need peace of soul only through Jesus Christ. It's not going to be through the Pope. It's not going to be through a bishop or a priest. Uh, in matter of fact, I say in spite of that example, look at what's going on in the church in the sense we're still reaching people with the gospel. So mm -hmm. I think it could get a lot better, but let's focus on individual piety. Let's make sure that our family is living a holy life, because that's what we can control. We really can't control the rest of the world. Am I right or that's, wrong on that? That's right. It's not, what can I do? It's, what can I do? Yes. And you put your finger on it. And you know, what interesting thing is, that was very much, uh, you know, the preaching of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. That's right. You know, it's about the quest for, for Christian it perfection. Practices. And you got all the way to Vatican II. That's that was the overarching uh, theme of those documents, was, you know— um, the way they put it, it was the universal call to holiness. Right. That holiness is for everybody. Amen. And that's what I want to focus on to give you that peace. So here's what Bishop Sheen said about peace of soul. And he wrote a book on that. <laughs> Here he says, the, and this you have to pay attention, everybody, because Sheen is, is, is very uh, sharp when he speaks. Every word he says has such meaning. He says, mm -hmm. there is a world of difference between peace of mind and peace of soul. The peaceful soul does not seek now to live morally, but to live for God. Morality is only a byproduct of the union with him. Mm. Uh, Bishop Sheen, well said. And again, that confirms what you just said about the Vatican II Council, the universal right. call to holiness. I mean, you mentioned uh, Claveau, what about St. Francis de Sales? What about Pierre de Cassade? Right, yeah, every, throughout... virtually all the saints. Yes, they've all said that. So this is what I want to talk about today on our show is all of the uh, calls that we have with the family. But before I do that, I want to give you some good news stories that I think are really uplifting. 
Matt, you and I are not what we would call millennials last time I looked. <laughs> that is correct, sir. <laughs> but a new poll said 52% of the millennials want abortion banned after unborn baby's heart starts beating. So that's a good, that's a, it's called Generation uh, Z. Uh, that now represents 31% of the electoral. Wow, that tells us that if they vote, uh, this could send yeah. a strong message to our leaders. Another great story, Matt, I love saying this. Florida abortion facility closes after 46 of years of killing babies. This is in Fort Myers, Florida, and it's, um, again, they opened back in 1976, and it's permanently closed. And I just want to remind everybody that that was closed by people praying the rosary outside the clinic for all those years. Amen. And in spite of bad example of our Catholic Church, and I mean that, there's not enough guys in our church from the top to the bottom speaking up for unborn babies. But True. here you have hoi polloi people getting their beads out, praying their rosary for years, and the fruit has borne fruit there. So thank you, everybody, the hoi polloi. Matt, here's another good news story. And it's just common sense, but common sense ain't that common, as G.K. Chesterton <laughs> said. Right. Idaho committee passes resolution to fly flags at half-staff to mourn the babies killed in abortion. See, Matt, wow. a- again, that's Christians and Catholics coming together and saying, wait a minute, we're killing off our future citizens. What can we do? To st-? We have to acknowledge this is the death of our future citizens. And I think mm-hmm. that, uh, again, when, is, see, they're speaking out. They're speaking up. And we need more of that today as, you know, one of the great saints, one of the popes, Pope Felix III, always, you know, said back in the 5th century, it's still true today. Not to oppose error is to approve it. Not to defend truth is to suppress it. And indeed, to neglect to confound evil men when we can do it is no less a sin than to encourage them. So that's why I encourage all of us to speak the truth in charity. One more Mm -hmm. good news story before we get a break. Okay. I know there's just more. I just, I'd look for these. It takes me a while, but I think it's worthwhile to say, look, when good people, you know, stand up for truth. Here, the Supreme Court justices, they just blasted the city of Boston for prohibiting a Christian flag. Hmm. Now, Matt, we know we keep saying separation of church and state. That's not what was meant in the Constitution. And we have now... Uh, at least some of our Supreme Court justices realize that we are a Christian nation. Yeah. And well, and certainly we were based on on Christian principles. There's no getting past absolutely. that. Absolutely. What did it say? Who, where did these rights come from? From the state? No. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> from God. Let's be honest. Hey, when we come back, Matt, I want to bring up the um, the topic of marriage. The way the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. That's what Saint John Paul II said Amen. years and years ago. And I want to get your take and the scriptures take. I want to get Bishop Sheen's take, Cardinal Thoreau, all the good sources to build up family life because we know family life is being torn apart by our culture and even some people in our church. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick pause and we'll be back with more of Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. 
Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jesse. I got the text uh, at the commercial saying, are you ready, Matt? Several I'm people. Ready. God bless you, brothers, for sharing so much good news despite what has been going on in our church. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I'm getting a Well, you know what, folks? I, you know, we're going to have Michael Voris on the fourth segment. He's going to tell you what to be praying for, all the bad things that are happening. So I really do like to focus on things that will help build up the body of Christ and his church. I think St. Paul says something like that, too. <laughs> yes. Matt, we're going to talk about the sacrament of marriage. And uh, we do have a marriage conference coming up in May uh, where Dr. Sandoval, my wife, and I are going to be speaking at. Uh, that'll be on our website in a couple of days. Uh, mm-hmm. Your wife, your lovely wife, is working on the flyer as we speak. Even even as we speak, that's I right. I know, I know. But I, the reason I bring this up is, like I said, St. John Paul II said this in 1994, that the way the family goes, so marriage goes, is the way the culture goes. And one of the neat things that he said uh, is a letter that he wrote February 2nd, 1994. He said, May Christ, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, be with us as we bow the knee before the Father, from whom all fatherhood and motherhood in every human family is named. In the words of the prayer to the Father, which Christ himself taught us, may he once again offer testimony of that love with which he loved us to the end. That's John 13. Now, he talks about, he's speaking about the power of this truth to all people of our days so that they will come to appreciate the grandeur of the goods of marriage and the family life so that they will come to appreciate the great danger which follows when these realities are not respected. Did you hear that? Not respected. Or when mm-hmm. the supreme values which lie at the foundation of the family and human dignity are discarded like they are today. And then he says, May the Lord Jesus repeat these truths to us with the power and wisdom of the cross so that humanity will not yield to the temptation of the father of lies. That's the devil who constantly seeks to draw people to broad and easy ways, apparently smooth and pleasant, but in reality full of snares and dangers. May we always be enabled to follow the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, St. John Paul II, for just telling it like it is. And that's the reason why we're focusing on this. And Matthew, I want to just give the first paragraph, and then I want to turn it to you from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph Mm -hmm. 1601, called Article 7, the Sacrament of Matrimony. It says, The matrimonial uh, covenant by which a man and a woman, you notice the Catechism says not a man and a man? No. Mm -hmm. Or a woman and a woman? No. A man and a woman established between themselves a partnership of the whole life is by its nature ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. All right. Well, again, we talk about birth control, Matt, and people say, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I want to get married, but I don't want to have children. That can't be, okay? But I think enough, not enough of us are telling people that children uh, are part of being married. If God blesses you with children, you can't step, separate that because you're avoiding your sacrament there. But your thoughts? All right. Well, first off, 
you know, marriage predates the sacrament of matrimony. That's right. Marriage was not, though, established by, by a, a human community. Marriage was established by God in the Garden of Eden. And then it was raised to the level of a sacrament, uh, of a sacrament, mm -hmm. the sacrament of matrimony, by our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? This is... Yes. Uh, and, you know, you'll find everything pretty much that you need to know about what Jesus said about yeah. marriage. You'll find in Matthew 19, verses yeah. 1 through 12. Yeah. Twelve verses, Terry. There you go. Okay. Why don't we uh, but this is the way that, that we have of, of complicating things, right? I understand those 12 verses require a certain amount of application. Sure. All right, lots of situations come up. But, you know, Amoris Letitia <clears throat> was over 200 pages and almost 60,000 words trying essentially to undo those 12 simple verses that come from the mouth right. of our Lord himself. Yep. The sacrament of matrimony mm -hmm. joins a man and a woman in a holy and indissoluble, thank you very much, Good point. from the words of our Lord himself, uh, a union that enables them to to signify right in themselves and to share in the mystery of the unity and love that exists between Christ and the church right he's he is the bride and the church is the bridegroom mm -hmm. right and and that sacrament gives a man and a woman who uh you know are joined in matrimony the grace to fulfill those tasks of husband and wife and as parents Right, as the educators, formers, uh, procreators yeah. of human beings. We're, you know, I, I like to look at it as we're populating heaven. Hey, that's a good point. All right. And and the, the thing is that, yeah, that's right. You, that you, you get there by being a human being and then you, you know, move on to the next thing. But the thing that, that uh, really kind of strikes me, me is in, in the catechism and even what I just, uh, what I just said, um, it has been since the 20th century, well, not even, well, since the late 20th century. Uh, the the custom to mention the good of the spouses and then the duty of parents. But traditionally, go back to Cassidy Kenubi, go back right. to Councilor Trent, you know. You're right, Matt. Uh, that uh, really it's the, the procreation and education of children is the primary That's true. purpose for the sacrament. Mm -hmm. Right, That's what those graces are for. Yep, well said. I also want to just bring up... And you need those graces, Terry, because, you know, I've got six kids, and now I know why tigers eat their young, okay? Yep. <laughs> you I, really yeah, I those graces. I also want to mention, that's cute, uh, the book of Genesis is another good book, Genesis chapter 1, about uh, creating of man and woman and, and, the, and what God said. So God, on paragraph 1604, God, who created man out of love, also called him to love, the fundamental and innate vocation of every human being for man is created in the image and likeness of God who is in himself love since God created him man and woman their mutual love because it becomes a image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man it is good very good in the creator's eyes and this love which God blessed is intended to be fruitful, and to be mm -hmm. realized in the common work of watching over creation. And God blessed them, and God said to them, this isn't Matt Arnold or Terry Barber, God right. said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill <clears throat> the earth and subdue it. You know, Terry, what, what I'm hearing there and what yeah. I'm hearing from what you said so far, yeah. uh, and of course the teaching of uh, St. John Paul II, yeah. is that, you know, um, Humanly speaking, the whole church really rests on the family. 
exactly. on the church in the yeah. home, you know. Um, Jesus didn't spend the majority of his life on earth inside the family circle for nothing. Right. Right. It was clearly his intention to sanctify this this church in miniature, right, this mm -hmm. domestic church. But I want to mention to you, that's the thing. It goes back to Jesus. Yes. The idea of a domestic church, that's that's not new. No. In fact, uh, you know, it's, it's the family most of all that, that has to save the faith and, and pass it on to the next generation. Uh, St. John Chrysostom said, prayer and instruction in church are not enough. With them must go prayer and reading in the home, which forms a little church. This domestic church idea is not something new. It's not some Vatican II thing that got tacked onto the faith. It's right at the root of what it means to be Catholic and what it means to be a church. Well said. And Matt, I don't know if you remember <clears throat> Professor Jerome uh, Lejeune. His cause is up for canonization. Sure, I, sure. Yeah, famous man. I recorded him back in the 1980s on Pro-Life. He's the gentleman who figured out the chromosome with uh, Down syndrome children. Okay, so he got a big award in the government, but he was... So, so this guy also knows a little something about science. Yeah, you think? Right. Yeah. And he was a very holy man. He said this, if someone really wants to attack the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, there's only one way, and that is to attack the sons of men. Christianity is the only religion that says your model is a child, the infant in Bethlehem. When they have taught you to despise the child, there will be no Christianity left in this country. No. Powerful paragraph. And then Cardinal Seurat says, we can say that the battle of Christian spouses who want to defend the unity, and you use the word indissolubility, which is in the catechism, right. and holiness of marriage and of the family with truth and charity as their only weapons. Isn't that beautiful? Truth and mm -hmm. charity, as I, I thought that was worded well. <laughs> Right. is hand-to-hand -hand combat. I love it. It is an integral part of the final battle between God and Satan, mentioned in the revelation of St. John, confronted with the arrogance of Goliath and the financial media powers to be heavily armed, protected by the armor of their false certainties, by their new anti-life laws. The Catholic Church in the 21st century, at least in the West, resembles little David. Hmm. You get it? This yes. is what we're up against. Right. And, right. We're, we're up against our own Goliath here. And, and he says this, and so what is at stake is the survival of humanity, is what Cardinal Seurat says. The great red dragon with the seven heads and ten horns, the prototype of this culture of death, was denounced by St. John Paul II in his teaching stance in front of a pregnant woman ready to devour her child at birth and to devour us also. Its tail swept a third of the stars from the sky and cast them down to earth. It is the symbol of the demonic power that dominates the world today. This happens very often to be very long, right? This is coming up. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I like, I like what he has to say that from Pope Pius XI to St. John Paul II to Benedict XVI, against various forms of totalitarianism, the bloodied Europe and the rest of the world. This is about, uh, really, about barbarism in the laboratory, which public opinion hardly notices. So I like this. This, I did not know that Pope, that um, Cardinal Seurat said, if, we're, if we were not the case, there would be not public authorities in France. Are you ready? The, yeah, I know you don't know this, but France mm -hmm. is trying to silence the pro-life websites 
by inventing a crime of, are you ready? The diabolical obstruction of abortion. That's what the mm. word is. So, so wow. during the discussion of this bill, they're, call, they're, they're calling yes, obst- diabolical obstructing abortion. Yes, diabolical. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. They're calling. Yep. Now, during the discussion in the bill, the French Parliament, the defenders of life, were verbally lynched for having dared to recall that abortion is not a right but a crime, and therefore the great tragedy of our times. Do you see how mixed up we are, Matt? Yeah. Well, you know something, Terry. It. it uh... I don't know how much time we've got left in this segment here. Yeah, the but, minute uh, and a half. Go for it. All right, real quickly. I, I think when we come back, there's uh, the sacraments are gifts, right? They're gifts of grace, and we don't deserve them. We don't earn them. They're they're given to us by God, and those gifts also entail responsibilities. Amen, there are brother. duties for married people. I think we should talk about that a little bit. I'd also like to talk about what I learned about marriage as a non-Catholic being married in the Catholic Church. Oh, that's awesome. Long before my okay. conversion. So duties of the state life of marriage and also learning something from a convert about Catholic marriage. Stay with us. We'll take a quick pause and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold, convert to the Catholic faith, is with us. I want to remind everybody, Bishop Sheen's Three to Get Married is downloadable on our website for those who would like to get Bishop Sheen's, I think it's 300 pages. My wife and I, we read that before we got married. It was an invaluable tool for us. I remember him saying to us, in his, in his book, that your love will not last because you're tough, Mr. Barber. Your love will last because you have the power to renew that love. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, that is just a very <clears throat> insightful thought. But Matt, you've talked about two things. One, the duties of marriage, and also what right. you learned as a Catholic, well, convert to the Catholic Church about marriage. So I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, that's just it. When I, uh, and Betty and I, of course, Betty is a, a lifelong Catholic, sure. cradle Catholic, faithful, practicing Catholic. Right. And I was, you know, a pagan. <laughs> Essentially, I was a, simply, you know, I was I was a nun or yeah, none right, of the above, right, right? Right. And and she, of course, wanted to be married in the church. She wanted that grace of the sacrament. And I, you know, I had never uh, been baptized. And there is, as you might imagine, a certain amount of red tape that one <laughs> is entailed in, you know, being a non-baptized person getting mm-hmm. married to a Catholic, uh, you know, in the context of the Catholic Mass. And so, uh, you know, we we had to go through rather a long process, and there's all this preparation that you have to do, and you have to sit down with Sister Mary, psychologist, you know, um, she, I remember they gave us this psychological evaluation about our compatibility, and and when we sat down, she said, if it was up to me, you wouldn't even be here. Really? Yeah, because she absolutely (laughs) objects to the idea of of Catholics marrying a Mm non-Catholic, right? Sure. And we went through this whole thing, and I don't know how long we spent a whole evening with her, and when she was done, she says, I've never seen two people more compatible. (laughs) For each other, that's cute. you know, and it was interesting, you know, the, the change of heart that he kind of had over the, yeah. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think Betty was concerned that I would be, you know, cause she was hoping ultimately for my conversion. Of she course, wants me to I, go to I heaven. Blame right? her. She wants me to have the graces of that sacrament yeah, as well. Sure. Uh, and you know, through it all, she was concerned that I was going to be turned off mm-hmm. to the Catholic church because of all of this hoo-ha. Yeah. 
You know, at one point I asked the priest, why are we going through all of this? You know, why does, why does, why does this matter? And he says, well, for one thing, we have to avoid scandal. I'm thinking to myself, really? Catholic Church, huh? You know, it's like, <laughs> not like you don't have any scandals in your, but, but I understand now that what he's talking about, yeah. you know, that, that you're going to stand up literally in front of God and everybody right. and swear to God forever. Yep. Till death us do part. This is not, not until further notice, <laughs> but until one or the other of us has shuffled off this mortal coil. Mm-hmm. And that, that requires a great deal of commitment and a great deal, and it requires the grace of God, as I discovered, uh, you know, uh, the hard way. But I'll tell you right now that secretly, mm-hmm. I was impressed. I got to tell you, Terry, Terry, I was impressed by the fact that the Catholic Church really Seriously? meant what it said. Yeah. That they, that they really were, they were willing to put me through this whole ringer and willing to let me walk away right? rather than, you know, uh, have somebody enter. Yeah, they're not going to compromise nope. on, on the sacrament of marriage. Nope. And and that's as it should be. I agree. Because now, and here comes the segue, because there are duties that are implied in the sacrament of matrimony. I mean, first off, you know, people are getting marriage. You know, they, of course, they have to be free of any impediment. You know, they, they can't have been married before or whatever without getting that cleared up. Mm-hmm. Um and you should never be engaged unless you've already had some due acquaintance with each other, right? There's no no eloping, no whirlwind romance. And you have to live chastely during the engagement. I don't know how many priests have told me that, you know, they sit down with a young couple and it's like, gee whiz, you guys both have the same address. You know, are, are you living in different apartments in the same building, I hope? You know, because if not, sure. you need to separate. You know, that this is this is a scandal. This is not a situation that they, they can tolerate. Right. And then, of course, you know, if you're Catholic, you need to receive confession, Holy Communion, before you know, as a preparation. So, so there is, there is preparation. Of course, the diocese will put you through that, that whole marriage preparation process to make sure. And I, I remember when we were going through the, the, uh, the marriage, you know, uh, preparation thing, there was a young couple there, I think that decided to wait. Mm, sure. That said to themselves, man, we didn't think about all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe they're really, maybe we aren't ready to do this yet. And that's, and that's a good thing. I don't know if they, you know, maybe they eventually got married after all, but only after some sober reflection, because you know what? You're promising that you're going to live in love and harmony and do your part. And it's not 50, 50, Terry no. marriage is both people given a hundred percent. Amen. Okay. Uh, and you, and you have to do that until you die. Mm-hmm. And you need to strengthen and encourage each other primarily by living a good Catholic life. Yeah. That, you know, that the, the, the grace and the example of living a good Catholic life is primarily for your spouse, number one, and then you're for your children. Yeah. And then you have to bring up those children in the love and the fear of God. And it's a big job. Yeah. And people need to understand that that's what it is. And if you're having trouble, if you're having issues in your marriage, you need to call on the graces of that sacrament, Amen. and you need to communicate with your spouse. Yeah, yeah. I always recommend Retrovite. They've had a great track record for people who have issues in their marriage. But one thing I, I will say that this is a very profound thought. I remember the priest telling me this, that my salvation is intricately tied in with my wife, with the woman I'm going to marry. Right. Wow. So my job, and I didn't say this, but I'm going to put it in a layman's term, my job is to get Mary Danielle to heaven mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through my prayers and good example. Yes, right. And you are the sandpaper that makes the saints right there. You got it. <laughs> and, and can I just share one other little thing that mom and dad, you know, I always say in my book, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, that mm-hmm. applies to marriage also, okay? Husbands mm-hmm. and wives like to think 
I hope by your actions, mom or dad, that you're treating your wife as a queen or a king and the other for the husband. Something that I'm sure, I know, Matt, you do things for Betty every day that, you know, that are special. You don't have to share them. I'm going to share one little thing for me that's not a big deal, but for 30-some years, I've done it every single day with her. I'm an early riser. She's not. So when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I go to the kitchen and I get either hot water or just regular water for her to put on the stand so when she wakes up, she can count on that water being there. Now, you can say, well, that's just a little cup of water, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what did what our Lord say about that? I, I yeah, get it. I, I, yeah, I seem to remember I, something. I understand that. that. But you see, it's an expression of my love every day for her by getting that water. And you know what is exciting for me, Matt? Not just that I serve my wife. Don't get me wrong. But my wife is, she understands that I see it as a supernatural aspect that it's for God, that I'm serving God by serving my wife. And this is making God pleased by my actions, by serving my wife and my family. This now brings it to a supernatural level. That's what I wanted to bring up. Right. That's, that's a lot for one glass of water. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true though. You know I mean? And it's, you know, and it's, in in the macro, it goes beyond just the sacrament of matrimony to all of the sacraments, exactly. to all of the graces that that Christ won on the Holy Cross and that are communicated to us right. through the church, you know, especially through the sacraments, because there are there are real benefits to the sacraments and living the sacramental life. And you know, uh, Pope Saint John Paul II uh, in two thousand one put out a uh, a document um, which was had a pastoral plan. Yes. For the new millennium, for oh, the yeah. third millennium, and he made these seven points, uh, these seven things that you that you should do, yeah. uh, that every Catholic should do, regardless of their rank or status. And then he added an eighth the next year when he put out his encyclical on the Rosary. You know, basically, and you know, for those of you who think that maybe I'm, you know, making a tenuous connection, he actually said in that document, "This is how you're going to be able to accomplish those seven that seven step plan that I that I introduced the year before." But that's the thing, though. He um, I think it's step five or six in that plan is to live the new life in the spirit. In other words, to live um, by the spirit, which is to say to live a sacramental life. Matt, okay, that's how it's through the sacraments that we get those graces. Matt, I want to give a plug because you've spoken on your own show about that document. I know, mm-hmm. I've heard it. Now, can you share, take a minute just to tell our listeners about your show you do for <coughs> sure. Virgin Most Powerful. Matter of fact, right after this show, you're on. Yes, yeah, my my uh, no nonsense Catholic coming up right after Terry and Jesse show, and that means if you're listening on the radio, maybe you can download our exactly. smartphone app, or you can go to the vmpr.org website and listen to it there. You know, we're on Rumble, all these other platforms. Uh, pretty much anywhere you can hear a podcast, you can find all of our programs. Right. Uh, especially uh, uh, dear to me, of course, no nonsense Catholic, and yeah, um, you know today. I'm going to be talking uh, about uh, with the well, the wedding at Cana, which was the gospel for last Sunday, and all of those, you know, speaking of matrimony and our good Lord raising it to the level of a sacrament, but also going to talk about, um, you know, some less comfortable things, a little bit about, uh, you know, a problem that I see in the ongoing liturgy wars, mm-hmm. which is the fact that both sides are actually, um, you know, uh, employing logical fallacies and emotional arguments that are not really helping anybody. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, I, <clears throat> pardon me. Also, um, next week, 
I am specifically going to be talking about that seven-step plan of John Paul II because every, every year, at the beginning of every year, I like to reiterate that Yes. because, you know, it's like if you're looking for New Year's resolutions, well, uh, St. John Paul II has seven of them for you. And I might add that this is on every Wednesday after the Terry and Jesse show, and you can re- have recourse to all of the podcasts from other shows that right. Matt has done. As a matter of fact, all of VMPR's shows are there at your fingerprint fingertips to just mm-hmm. download and share with your friends. Uh, Matt, your final well, your final thoughts on, again, marriage, uh, the sacrament of marriage, and why we have to have strong families for our culture. We went and covered that. What advice would you give to a young couple in this minute or two we have left to prepare for this great sacrament of marriage? Well, I think that, you know, I mean, young couples have asked me for advice. I bet, I know that. Uh, you know, and, and I always tell them, the... the our Lord spoke in parables and taught in parables, and he talked a lot about hell, mm-hmm. and he talked uh, explicitly about marriage, like I say, Matthew 19, and also in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about marriage. But he talked about one thing more than anything else. You know what that was, Terry? Tell me. Money. Yeah. Because that is the thing, that's where marriages stumble. Yep. And so it needs to be about you and your spouse and your relationship with God. The two of you become one flesh, as our Lord says. You need to form that wedge, and you need to be on each other's side, have each other's backs, you know, raise those children, and keep what's important in the foreground. Well said. Thanks so much, Matt. Up next, Michael Voris is going to give us three powerful stories that we all could be praying for Holy Mother of the Church in reparation. I say reparation because these stories are scandalous, and that's what we have next here on the Terry and Jesse show. Stay with us. We're just going to take a quick pause. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Michael Voris from Church Militant. Welcome. I, I want to just tell you, that St. Augustine has a quote that I think describes uh, the church militant and what you're doing for Holy Mother of the Church. And the quote says this, Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. He knows this quote. I can see that. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. If I could describe what you're doing, Matt, I, Michael, Matt, Michael, this is, what St. Augustine said, what, you know, 1,500 years ago, and it applies to you today. And I ask you to come on each week. Why? Because I want everybody to know what to be praying for in our church and also to be aware of the, what I call scandals, because, you know, these scandals are undermining the mission of the church. And we need to get our focus back on the focus of Jesus Christ and not on these scandals that are tearing people's souls apart. So, Michael, you've got three stories that I'm, I'm just, I mean, let me just say this. Monday, when I watched the news before we prayed the rosary, I'll be honest with you. I go, Mom, to my wife, Mary, we've got to pray for church. the church. This is a mess. And I think everybody has that same attitude. But you know what? If you weren't bringing this up to us, we wouldn't know it. That's true. So what do we got going for tonight? Yeah, that's... Uh... Uh, just to underline that, yeah, that's exactly true. You know, you, you, it's undermining the mission of the church. That's what I keep saying. Uh, 
and you know, we just want to be able to, you know, uh, underscore and advance the mission of the church. And, yeah. you know, with this constant horrible stuff going on, uh, you know, the digger, the, the, the more you deep, uh, the more you dig, <laughs> the deeper and deeper it gets. And you're like, my goodness, is there a bottom to this somewhere? So... Well, what, but, uh, what have we got going, Michael? I know I'm I'm holding my breath, and I'm going to... These intentions go up each night at the Barber House, and I'm sure with other people listening and watching the news each each night. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the one story that we're putting an awful lot of effort into right now with our Rome correspondent, Jules Gomez, who's doing yeoman's work over oh. there, is this whole thing that is now unfolding and being uh, revealed largely through the efforts of Jules and Church Militant and some good... Uh, you know, uh, boots on the ground work from uh, Ed Penton, also man. for National Catholic Register, yep. uh, that this COVID scandal, and it's a scandal as yep. it relates to the church because of the involvement of the, the, the Pope, the Vatican, cooperating with the uh, communists in Beijing, getting bil- billions, that's with a B, billions of dollars over uh, every year, over the course of five, six, seven years now. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. But one of the things we're focusing on today mm-hmm. is, while that is a scandal in its own right, of course, there's also a, uh, a another scandal that uh, an American, I'm sorry, a French-based consortium of uh, so-called Catholic fact-checkers, which yeah. is really a great big media group, mm-hmm. uh, headed up by Alatea, uh, are have been charged with shutting down opposition to the Vatican's pro-vax narrative. So whenever anything comes up about the, uh, you know, the death or mm-hmm. you know, horrible side effects or the inefficacy of the vax or yeah. anything like that, they rush right in and try to shut it down and say, well, it's wrong. And Dr. Robert Malone doesn't know what he's talking about. And they just start attacking and they're attacking. Okay, fine. You want to do that as a media outlet. But You're presenting yourself as Catholic, and here's the hitch. You're taking money from Google, George Soros, and Bill Gates. That's who's funding that effort. And uh, so, you know, you're on the side of the the Antichrists. That's what they are. Uh, Not the Antichrist, but they're Antichrist and the work they do, population control, birth control, abortion, you know, porn on Google, everything. Uh, so you're siding with them because you're taking money with them to attack Catholics who want to say the truth about what's going on with the COVID stuff, including the cooperation of the Vatican in exchange for uh, hush money from the communists. I mean, you could, if you took this script yeah. to a Hollywood, uh, an objective Hollywood producer, he'd say, you got to be kidding. Nobody would believe this. Yeah. It's so sad, Michael. And I, and again, we need to pray for our leaders' conversions. That's really what it comes down to, because right now um, it is really sad to see this, that our church is just falling apart with these scandals. But again, stay focused, everybody, on your eyes on Jesus, and don't forget that personal holiness. That's what you can do also in helping the church. And also, I might add, never give a red penny to any of these institutions that are compromising, give it to Church Militant, give it to other organizations that are actually doing the mission of the church. Yeah, that's very kind. Thank you. Another great story we have, though, on this, this is the hope side of that, uh, is uh, Archbishop uh, Jerome Listecki of Milwaukee and his archdiocese have just come out and said they are going to be banning leftist gender theories 
in the schools and you know that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, in the archdiocese, uh, they're getting rid of all of the preferred pronouns garbage that's in any speeches or writings, anything officially connected wow. uh, with the archdiocese in any way. That means parishes and yeah. organizations and all of that. Now, you can imagine, given the whole sort of gay subculture of uh, the priesthood. Uh, you know, particularly in Milwaukee, because that was where Rembert Weekland was uh, not that long ago, you know, 20, 20 years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that that took an awful lot of bravery and everything else on the part of Archbishop Lestecki wow. to uh, issue those orders. So that's that's fantastic. And people uh, 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 people who work for the diocese or go to school in the diocese, archdiocese, uh, they're actually going to have to dress. <laughs> they're going to have to follow the dress codes of dressing in accord with their biological sex. That's the word in the directive. And, and Michael, so. for this to make the news, I mean, I thank you for sharing that because here's a bishop, kind of like Bishop Strickland, who I interview every week on Virgin Most Powerful, is speaking up and saying things that too many bishops are being quiet about. So I would say pray for this, bishops, and can, that he will continue to proclaim the truths of life. And, you know, G.K. Chesterton said, you know, common sense ain't that common. Well, he's right, because <laughs> this is an example that common sense says what the bishop is doing, and that makes a story. Does that tell you yeah. something? It's like, right. a, it's like it's like a it's, it's like reporting on, uh, you know, uh, Give me a well, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work necessarily today. But, you know, in years gone by and decades gone by, you could say, uh, you know, newsflash, the pope believes in God. <laughs> and people would be like, well, what on earth? So. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> what what about the the final story, Michael? We got a couple minutes. Well, left. speaking to the Pope involves the Pope, and there is, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that has sort of surrounded uh, this particular pontificate yeah. has been the the kind of the PR moment. You remember back to his first after his election, yeah. he went to prison and washed the feet of Muslim yep. uh, pr prisoners at Regina Chaley and all that sort of thing. Uh, so it, the Pope or probably more likely the people around him, close to him, understand the value of the photo op. Sure. So uh, the Pope was recently uh, hidden dressed outside of the Vatican in a, uh, a bookstore, a CD store uh, in Rome, very close to the Pantheon. Mm -hmm. And he came out and a journalist, boom, took a picture of him and then published the picture and said, hey, look, it's the Pope mingling with the masses like he's just an ordinary Joe and all that. Turns out the entire thing was staged. And the Pope said, you know, he, he published it. The Pope wrote a letter saying, oh, thank you, Isvero, great journalism, you know, you found me. Uh, the complete lie. The, the letter, the effort, every single bit of it was staged for a PR photo op. And, you know, remember John, uh, Pope St. John the 23rd used to, you know, smuggle himself out and go out into, yeah. uh, you know, and you, you have a sense there that that was, he just got caught a couple of times, uh, uh, truly caught this time. This has nothing to do with that. This entire thing was staged. And, you know, I'm sorry to say that the group that was involved in it was Opus Dei. Oh. Uh, Rome, Rome reports, uh, you know, conspired with yeah. the Pope or the papal household or the papal office to make this happen. And, you know, I'm sorry, that's just, um, that's unforgivable. You know, you're lying, you're lying to the people by presenting an untruth to them. Uh, and, you know, to what end? Yeah, Michael, this reminds me, I don't know if you're, you're old enough to remember Jimmy Carter. He used to, they used to have these times where he would carry his own luggage onto his plane. Right. And they would show him doing that. The only problem was 
There wasn't anything in the luggage. That's right. It was just an empty suit. You remember that? You, yep. I, that's what came to my mind. I thought, this is like politicians. And, and I, I, I think it's so sad that the Holy Father, who we pray for, especially here at our chapel every Thursday night for two hours on our knees, uh, we pray for him to confirm us in our faith, not to make us lose our faith. Uh, and that's what we pray for, and I'll say it again, because he needs to be, that's his role, to confirm us in the faith. He's not the, he's the vigor of Christ, not the superior of Christ, and I think right. uh, we need to make that point. But this story really illustrates something that is very distasteful for the hoi polloi, Michael. Really, it does. It makes it sound sure. like, what's he trying to do? Take a, uh, you know, make it sound like, uh, you know, this image is what he really is, you know, doing. I, we want to, we don't want to play games. We want to know what Christ taught and salvation. We want to know how to get to heaven. This other stuff is, you know, a bunch of baloney. And I want to just quote something to you that Pope Benedict said that not all issues have the same moral weight as abortion and euthanasia. There may be legitimate diversity of opinion, even among Catholics, among waging war, applying the death penalty, but not with regard to abortion and euthanasia. Now, I bring that up. I know you know that quote, but you see, this is the clarity we're looking for right now. We're looking for the Pope to give us the perennial teachings of the Church. That's all. Yeah, and and what do you get back? You get a papal PR stunt. Yeah, I, it's just crazy. It's crazy, it's and bad. you know, and and to think, look, Opus Dei yeah. presents themselves as this loyal sons of the church thing. This isn't to like tar every priest who's an Opus Dei. It's not the point. But somewhere along the line, yeah. either this reporter at Rome Reports, which is an Opus Dei subsidiary, right? Either that reporter was completely stupid, yeah. and did this on his own, at which point he should be fired. Amen. Or he went to his superior or his superiors, superiors, or somebody up the line. Yep. Uh, Opus Dei and Rome reports need to come clean. They need to explain how this happened, who in the papal household did this with them, who conspired with them, whose idea was it? Did it come from the Pope's men? Did it yep. come from Opus Dei's men? Who did it? Everybody involved in this, including the Pope, should have to pay a price for this. This is lying to the faithful. Absolutely. And Michael, you're doing a service to Pope Francis by calling him out on that. And I'll tell you why. Because you love to see his soul get to heaven. That's why no, you're doing absolutely. this. And all souls. No, I don't want to go to hell. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was saying no to heaven. I'm saying yes to heaven. Yes no to, to heaven. Hell. Of course. Right. Of course. But the point of it is, this is out of love to expose this because we need the truth because that's what sets us free. I want to thank you for all your staff. You've got a great staff doing this great work all over the world. May God continue the great work of Church Militant, and we hope to see you again next Wednesday on our show with some more stories that we can be praying for Holy Mother of the Church. May God richly bless you, Michael. God God bless. Thank you, Terry. If Jesse was here, I'd say, Jesse, what state should we be living in? And Jess would say, the state of grace. And how do you do that, folks? By staying close to the sacraments. Remember, Our Lady of Fatima said this, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Will you please make those sacrifices? Holy Mother of the Church needs it. God love you.